You know, uh, we never thought that on the Riabu podcast we would have to tackle the issue of inflation. Because inflation has been so low for so many years and interest rates have been correspondingly low for so many years that actually in some cases you'll find bankers in their 30s, Simon Littlewood, who've actually known nothing but a near zero interest rate environment. Um, and yet, we've now seemingly come to a turning point, so much so that we have to address the issue here on the Riabu podcast. After all, when inflation, that is the increase in the price of goods and services, rises, interest rates may follow suit, and that'll have a direct impact on you, especially if you have business loans, maybe overdrafts, or perhaps you've dipped into your personal savings uh, during the pandemic um, and are now having to kind of make sure that the money gets repaid, right? That at the end of the day, uh, the, the bank gets its due, however, with higher interest rates. So we're going to talk about the impact of inflation and interest rates on you and your business, Simon. Yes, I mean, I remember the first home I bought uh, in London in the 1980s, the mortgage was 12%. Uh, you know, and the memory of that is completely gone, I think. <laughs> Nobody realizes the difference between what people pay now, which could be 2%, 4%, and the kind of historical rates that people have paid to borrow money is vast. Yeah. And it's caused businesses in particular to get used to a very lenient environment when it comes to borrowing and repaying money. Yes. So you bought a house in London in the 1980s? That recent? Well, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. actually trying to think. Well, it wasn't the 1880s, <laughs> I don't think. But then my memory is uh, my memory is a little bit uh, scatty. So who knows? So you've been able to pay relatively low interest rates on overdrafts from banks. You've been able to borrow money relatively cheaply from banks, and of course there are many of these other platforms out and about which do already charge more. With interest rate, rather with the inflation rate just this week, coming in at 5.4% in the United States, the highest since 2008, so the highest in 13 years. Um, what should small businesses do, the ones who do have loans to service, the ones who have variable interest rates, and who now are looking at the spectre of having to pay more for that money? Well, borrowing money because it's cheap um, is never necessarily a good idea, and if you're doing it, because some of the fundamentals of your business are not in balance. Let's say, for example, that your customers are paying you late, and rather than tackle that, you've decided, well, actually, if I can borrow money at 2%, it's just easier to keep borrowing money. Suddenly, you can't borrow more money. Suddenly, the bank wants 5 or 6%. That, this could be an existential issue for many businesses. So the first thing to do is to look at what you can do with your business to improve cash flow so that your need to borrow reduces and that you can, if necessary, pay down some of the debt that you already have. Yeah. Well, arguably, you'd be doing that anyway, but clearly there's a little bit more urgency about it now if we're looking at interest rates in the next year. You say you're, you're doing that anyway, but if I look at here, here in Singapore, because of the impacts of COVID and because of the fact that many, many companies, particularly SMEs, are illiquid, and we've seen the data on the number of companies going potentially going bankrupt this year, um, Companies, have, the government has been gently prodding banks to lend more and more money to SMEs. So actually, that's a bit of a toxic stew. If on the one hand you have a institutional effort to get SMEs to borrow more money, and on the other hand you have a macro issue of growing inflation and interest rates, when these two things meet, it could be very nasty indeed. 
Well, the, uh, the reason why the government um, promoted, uh, or, or cajoled, is that the right word, um, the banks with very, very low interest rates, you can read the press releases about it on the website of the Monetary Authority of Singapore, was obviously in order to help help uh, companies tide over the difficult times. That's what they needed to do, Simon. Yes, no, no, I think that's right. But the thing is, the money that they're providing to help tide over is now stopping. Uh, and times have not necessarily come back to the way that they were before. We're not in the status quo ante. Many, many companies still have reduced levels of activity. And now, in addition to that, in many cases, they have accumulated levels of debt. Because the other thing that the government did was it told lenders not to press companies for payment on money that they'd already borrowed. So you've got a situation where companies are going to have to start servicing their debt again. Um, and in some cases may find that they've got less income coming in in order to do it with. Answer, look to the assets that you currently have. If you have stock in trade, sometimes called inventory, reduce that to the minimum. If you're owed money by your customers, look at your terms and look at the effectiveness with which you collect that money and reduce the average days of sale, that is the time it takes your customers on average to put money in, the, in your bank account, reduce it to the absolute minimum consistent with being commercially successful. And many companies will find if you track their DSOs, the average time it takes them to get paid over the last two to three years, you'll see that they've been growing progressively. That's certainly true of SMEs in Singapore. We have the data. That's partly because the market is doing that to them. It's partly because they're letting it happen because it's easier to take ch to take cheap money um, to 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 keep the company going. Yes, you know there are actually some very interesting reasons for why inflation is popping up. If you look through the uh, the announcement uh, earlier this week of that 5.4 percent blowout number. It's uh, to a large extent, seemingly, because of the disruption to supply chains. Uh, certain products just aren't as available as freely as they were pre-COVID because of that disruption, semiconductors being one example. Grapefruits being another. Oh, is that right? I haven't been able to buy grapefruit in my local supermarket for several months. It may just be that they're unpopular. Um, however, <laughs> back to inflation. I mean, the, the fact that uh, the fact you, you talked about reduced activity, it seems that some of the reasons why SMEs might have reduced activity is not because they don't have the customers, it's because they can't get the supply of the raw materials because of these disrupted supply chains. Therefore, the Federal Reserve is arguing that once supply chains normalize, once they're back into the swing of things, companies can once again uh, buy perhaps from different vendors, right? Grapefruit from a whole variety of orchards rather than just one, which means that the price of grapefruit and other inputs into their commercial operations might actually once again come down. The upward pressure on interest rates might again come down. Prices don't usually come down. No, the, I, mean, I mean, the inflation mean, rate will come down. Yes, I know. Um, goodness me. Politicians. No, no, Fed Reserve Chairman. Yes, well. <laughs> Yeah, well, these forecasts, have they been accurate? I don't know. Um, but I think it's a bit utopian to think that when things settle down, they'll go back to normal. I think, you know, let's, let's, let's remember it, it pre-COVID, we had, sitting here in Asia, we had very significant supply, supply chain disruptions as a result of the discussions between the US and China. We had many companies having to switch hurriedly to other suppliers, in some cases paying more. I don't think the disruption is going to end. I think the changes are going to be fundamental in many cases. Um, I'm not, I'd be very, very, very careful about taking the word of the chairman of the Federal Reserve all the way, all the way in Washington, away, uh, on the other side of the world, and using that as a 
reassurance for continuing to behave as you did before. Uh, I would have thought this is a time for going back to the old-fashioned disciplines of not borrowing money unless you're in a very solid position to repay it and wherever you can running your business from your own resources. You know? Your skepticism of uh, the, the Fed's forecast is not uh, not unique obviously then that's part of the reason why there are now so much there is so much talk of uh, interest rates possibly going up a lot of uh, economists are saying the same thing you can read about them on the internet um, but back to the the idea of borrowing uh, and your house in the early 18 uh, 1980s uh, in London um, 70, 80s, maybe. <laughs> that would be a rather an old uh, old abode the, the, the thing is that when you look at how the um, uh, you know how how people can leverage. Uh, you know how individuals can gain scale. A house purchase is actually a really good idea. What I mean to say is that because a house is an asset for somebody on an individual level, you should be able to borrow. Even if you have the cash, you should probably borrow because it is your one-time opportunity to mm -hmm. to gain leverage. Can that same principle be applied to a company, where a company, and even you know, even as a stocks uh, reporter on CNBC, I had this on occasion. But there were analysts who were complaining that certain companies were not just cash rich, but that they hadn't levered, that they hadn't geared up against their their physical assets because of the. In much faster growth that they could have experienced if they had borrowed, had expanded, had spent more money on marketing and, and whatever else. Depends that what into. you're using the money for, uh, is the short answer. If you're genuinely using that additional money as, as investment capital, that is the, an opportunity to create different markets, different capabilities, um, different kit, different automation, whatever it happens to be, that's absolutely fine. But remember, that's not what's been happening. People haven't been borrowing money to create new capability. They've been borrowing money to offset the fact that they aren't generating enough cash to run the business day to day. And those two things are fundamentally very different and very important. And that tends to happen only when money is easily available. It hasn't always been the case. There have been times in the past where it's been very difficult to get money. You know, I know someone in the UK who had a very successful business in the sense that it was it had significant turnover and significant profitability. He allowed himself to borrow more and more and more money from the bank over a period of time because it was just easier, and mm -hmm. he didn't bo didn't bother with looking at his working capital. And suddenly, the bank had a bit of a conniption and decided they wanted all the money back. <laughs> right. You know, and he couldn't afford to pay the money back because it was all invested in things that he couldn't shift. Right. So, it just generally, prudence dictates that you run business on lean working capital and then you generate that working capital from shareholders or from your own efforts. I would be very, very, very careful in today's conditions of getting more into bed with lenders because, and, and, you know, the point on the Federal Reserve, and there's a wonderful American economist called Thomas Sowell, who's now 80 years old, and he says, he always says, be very careful about taking advice from people who pay absolutely no consequence for getting it wrong. You know, and that's generally, <laughs> so that's, you know, that's lawyers, <laughs> accountants, heads of the Federal Reserve, and particularly politicians, right? Because they pay no price, for, and academics, they pay no price at all for being wrong, you know? Um, and um, whilst I tend to be generous in my opinions, I'm very cautious about a politician saying, there, there, don't worry, uh, you know, carry on borrowing money, everything will come back to the way that it was very soon. 
Hmm, how many times have we heard that advice? But can we, can we agree that there are times when, as a business, you should borrow money yes. to expand, for example, yeah. and that there is a certain leverage that you should, in fact, have on your business? Borrow, borrow money when there is clearly an opportunity to make that money work for you. Yes. Um, money, borrowing money as a form of investment, yes. Not as a stopgap measure for a fundamental imbalance in the way that cash is flowing in and out of your business, um, because that is unsustainable and we don't want businesses to become illiquid and go bust, particularly SMEs who employ most people. We want them to manage their working capital in a prudent way and not to, to borrow unless they absolutely have to and can justify that because it's going to give them future additional future capability. Yeah. And in order to pare down your borrowings for working capital by increasing your cash flow, please be sure to go to the Riabu.com portal and we'll guide you through that process so that you can talk to your customers in such a way that they will in fact pay your invoices on time and your need for overdrafts and uh, working capital loans reduces. You can also buy the book Let the Cash Flow. Publisher is Marshall Cavendish and you can order it on Amazon.sg or GoGuru and you can also drop us a line here at service at riabu.com and uh, we'd be happy to arrange for a copy to be sent to you. I hear it's a very good read, Mark. Uh, apparently it's written by these two white guys. Oh, uh, okay, yes. yes. Uh, one's named Simon, yeah, Liverwood. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good. Um, how, how did you go with the house, by the way? Do you still own it? <laughs> no, no, no. I, um, I owned a number of properties in London a long time ago, but I mean, it's amazing how different the world was then. Um, you know, here in Singapore, interest rates on house purchases, 1%, even less than 1% in some cases. Uh, which is advant an advantageous rate by any standards, you know. So you're, you're you're mainly paying back the principal in your monthly payment, which is what you want. Yes. The problem with the 12% interest payment is you're paying 12% on what you owe before you've even paid back the principal. <laughs> you know. So what you're actually paying in total in any year is is way north of that. Yes. That's just to service the the money that you borrowed. Yes. Um, and it was very difficult, and a lot of people ended up in a situation which we used to call negative equity, which is where they owed the bank more than the property was worth. Yeah, so even if the property was sold off at auction or something, the bank would still be owed money. Yes, well, um, you know, and um, in countries such as Singapore, where the owners of small businesses have their primary, have their business loans secured on their primary residences, which is which is in fact a majority of small business the borrowers. Tour, yep. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, that creates an enormous risk. Not just that they'll get thrown out of their houses, uh, but that housing in general will, will suffer. It hasn't yet. It must be said. Mm. Um, then that wonderful asset, if you put your life and soul in, will actually be worth less than you paid for it. Ouch. Yeah. Which is why I'm a renter and a bicyclist. Good move, son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep up the good work. <laughs> Ecological, 